Not a single, not a double, but a triple. Welcome to the Triple Option Podcast with Ryan Gregory and Devin Voss, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Plummer was Cal's new quarterback. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I did. I haven't seen how they've been doing that. Uh, they beat UNLV. That's something. That's something. <laughs> That's something. All right. So uh, we have started recording. So now it's just a matter of uh, setting this up. So um, I guess get ready to launch in five, four, three, two, one. Let's do it. Hello. Guess who's back? It is the <laughs> triple option pass podcast. It has been a very long time. And I know Ryan and I are excited. Uh, and, you know, really, we got we got our first little taste podcast action, or I guess diving back in, you know, a couple of weeks ago on Insanity. But guess what? Surprise. We're back. Ryan, how are we feeling today? Yeah, that Linsanity appearance kind of like sparked it in both of us. We're like, you know what? We need to get back in this thing, even with life being as busy as it is for the two of us. Exactly. And it's it's Sunday, week two. Uh, a lot of craziness happening yesterday. Uh, really, I feel like we should just kind of touch on that right of way. I mean, Upset alerts, FCS teams beating FBS teams. It was a hectic Saturday. You know, what are you kind of general thoughts on this? Yeah, it was the day of the upset. And unfortunately, I was a victim of it as well with Wisconsin getting upset by Washington State. But um, going into it, I think everyone thought that was going to be kind of a boring week too. But, you know, some of these smaller schools really showed that you, you can't get caught napping right before you get into uh, conference season. Yeah, and you know, the thing that I kind of took away from it, because I, I woke up this morning, I was like, what are some good takeaways to take from the Saturday action? And really, the only thing I could think of is no college football team is safe this yeah. season, at least so far. I mean, of if course, I, Georgia, I, eh, yep. but I mean, you have Texas almost beating Bama. You have, you know, like like we just said, FCS teams beating FBS teams. Uh, Obviously, Marshall upsetting Notre Dame, uh, App State upsetting Texas A&M. Like, it really feels like no team is safe. And really, you know, I know it's early in the season, but you catch a team napping, you can actually win some things. Yeah, you, you put it great there. Like, I thought that Bama would have been the safest bet this year, and all of a sudden, it, they escape with a one-point win over Texas, who, you know, their backup played last year, but that's their backup quarterback. They were not ready for that kind of experiencing as the best team in the nation. They still only lost by one. So you're you're right. Nobody's. Uh, it appears that nobody is safe this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, before we kind of dive into uh, other things that we'd like to talk about today, I figured uh, we should just briefly, yeah, briefly bring up the fact that the college football playoff committee has officially approve an expansion to 12 teams. Uh, I'm really excited for this. I know a lot of people are. I'm sure you are too as well, Ryan. I mean, this this ultimately gives, you know, eight more schools the opportunity to get into the playoffs. And uh, we've seen it, you know, throughout 
the history of the college football playoff, there's teams that get hot or late in the season. Uh, they're rolling, and if they, they get cut out, you know, of the college football playoff last minute. But if you were to add those teams into a much deeper one, there's a chance they could go all the way. Yeah, you know, more invitations to the dance is always going to be a good thing. Uh, I think that there's been a concentration of talent at some specific cool schools this last about decade in the existence of the CFP. Just because, you know, obviously the top of the top wants to play for a championship, wants to play in the playoff. And there was a finite amount of schools that had that opportunity. And now with um, it, it going from four teams tripling to 12, that's a lot more a lot more teams that have a, a chance. And I think it's going to, you know, give teams a lot more to play for than just, you know, we lose once and we and it's over and we hope for a decent bowl game. Yeah, and I agree with that. And, you know, I, I think uh, an additional advantage or I guess a lot of people kind of criticize it saying, oh, you know, the the top three teams are, are still going to win it and blah, 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 blah. And really, it's not about that. It's about just giving, you know, other teams at least a chance to be able to prove themselves because, you know, as we mentioned, uh, when the college football playoff was just in its early stages, uh, there were quite a few teams that could have went to the national championship that had one loss, you know, on their record. I mean, great examples. Uh, Penn State. I mean, I feel like that's the most obvious one. The biggest uh, robberies. Exactly. Uh, USC uh, could be arguably one of them because they were right there with Penn State that same exact year. Yep. Uh, TCU and Baylor uh, that opening year. I mean, really, the list is endless. You could even you could even argue Cincinnati uh, in Texas A and M uh, that 2020 season. Yeah. Uh, because you know Cincinnati, I feel like that was their best team. Uh, and they got robbed of, you know, even getting that chance. So I, I feel like this is just a general opportunity to make college football a little bit more exciting and, and really not just that, but kind of die this or, or kill this mass expansion of Power 5 schools that's going on right now. Yep, 100%. All right. So uh, to, to dive into the content first, uh, you know, despite the fact that... Uh, you know, Ryan is situated um, in Wisconsin. <laughs> this did start off as an Indiana-based, <laughs> as an Indiana-based uh, podcast. So I feel like it is our duty to be able to at least give a little discussion on the Indiana teams and you know it's how, fair. It's fair. how things have have broken down. And, and don't worry because we even it out with Ryan giving his special Wisconsin segment. So we, we kind of balance things out. We even get a little bit of Wisconsin in there. I know he doesn't have many good things to say about it right now, but hey, no, that is I okay. Truly don't. It, it, is, it is something that that's just, I mean, it's just something nice. But uh, so let, let's dive in. Um, Notre Dame. Uh, this one's pretty tough for me to talk about, but I can do it. So let's do it. Uh <laughs> They just looked like a like a heap of garbage. I mean, really, I, Marshall outplayed them from right from the start. Uh, yep. You know, Tyler Buckner did not look that great. Uh, the offensive line did not win the battle in the trenches at all. Uh, and defense, you know, I feel like, and I, I know I mentioned this uh, to to Caleb, but defense wise, I just 
I feel like they, there's just a point where you get tired. And that's yep. exactly what Marshall did when they blew the doors open at the end of the game. They, the defense can only do so much. I mean, I feel like they've kind of proven themselves. I wouldn't put this one as much on the defense, uh, but there's only so much they can do, and the offense just just stumbled. Yeah, it really wasn't a good look. And, you know, to Marshall's credit, I mean, they're, they're one of the better group of five teams, and specifically this year, I mean, the their quarterback, the Columbia kid, was a Texas Tech transfer. Uh, Layborn, who are, who are you familiar with right all over you guys, was a Florida State transfer. It's so like they, they got dogs that this is not a team to be overlooked. It's uh, to, to say that they have the talent would be an understatement. And, you know, Notre Dame just kind of got got caught like that. Yeah. And I, I think one of the takeaways that I took out, at least from the Marshall side, is, oh, my gosh, I can imagine how much the fan base is celebrating not having to deal with Grant Wells. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Boomer Bust, like very Spencer Rattler-esque. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's now two wins for Marshall. Uh, you know, it's a really good one for them in the program. Obviously, their second time uh, beating a top 10 team in their program history. Uh, I, I really don't have any much more to say than, you know, they just they just got destroyed. Notre Dame did. Uh, it was it, it is close on the box score, but it was not close really the entire game. Uh, Marshall kind of controlled it throughout, and that's the exact reason why they're the winners. Uh, and really, I, I, it's not a good look for the Marcus Freeman era. Um, yeah, you can agree with that one. Um, I, I'm, but you got to give the man some time. Uh, a lot of people are going to be sounding the panic alarm, but to put it fairly, Brian Kelly started his first season six and six. I mean. Yep. Uh, granted, he didn't have the talent that this team has now, um, but you got to give him time. He's a first-year head coach. Uh, I'm sure once he gets that first one, a, a big weight will be off his shoulders. And Hey, now he doesn't have to worry about making some type of glorious run to the college football playoff because that ain't happening. So maybe yeah, that takes a little not. bit of weight off the shoulders too. <laughs> yeah, but n- now the question doesn't become when's your first win. It becomes what are you going to do at quarterback because the Buchner kid is just not the answer. And so, I don't know if there is an answer on this roster, but uh, that that could be a storyline to watch this season if Notre Dame can ever figure out something that can uh, resemble competency there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, Drew Pine came in there at the end of the game and threw an interception. Uh, I was going to say, also threw a pick. (laughs) (laughs) I thought he would give the team a little bit of a spark. Didn't happen. I got to imagine there's a heated quarterback battle going into next week as to who's actually going to be starting. but, you know, maybe by the end of the year, you just throw it in the hands of some freshman and just say, here you go, kid, just try it out. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> Can't do much uh, worse than anybody else. Yeah. So uh, moving on, we have the Indiana Hoosiers, a very interesting team this year. Uh, obviously, they, they've started 2-0, although last night's win was not very convincing until the second half, of course. Nope. Um, but... You know, it seems like they've got a little bit of momentum with, uh, you know, good old Basilek under center. Uh, what do you kind of feel about this IU team this year? Uh, obviously, they don't have the same expectations of, as they had, you know, in the previous few years. Uh, Ryan, what do you kind of feel should be the expectation going forward right now? Well, I think that all the players were in, say, Tom Allen mode uh, coming into this year because... 
it's it's fair to say that he was on a bit of a hot seat as um you know as it came into the season, and so just winning these first two games is just such a huge thing for as far as saving his job, getting a little momentum on the you know on the Hoosier side, and you know Bazelak's been fine. I think that Sean Shiver's a very very fun running back that they have at their disposal now, but it they're obviously going to get chewed up by the Big Ten East, so you know. Get as close to bowl eligibility as you can right now. Cross your fingers and, you know, hope that you can save Allen's job, I think, is kind of the goal going forward now. Yeah, and, you know, this is a team that I feel just now, obviously, they had those those two seasons. Uh, and <laughs> their defense was kind of the heart of all that. And yep. here in recent years, I feel like that has completely just gone away. Uh do you do you feel like there's any reason, or do you think it's just Indiana recruiting hitting Indiana recruiting finally again? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's it's just a very hard job to like keep talented bodies in you know on both sides of the ball. You get, you got to pick and choose your battles and just get the best that you can, you know. And they managed to strike gold for a couple of years there and had some you know borderline NFL talent, but you know specifically on, on the defensive back side of things. But you know some solid linebackers, some solid um, defensive linemen. And it, it's just it's in, impossible to have longevity and continuity in that in that realm specifically when recruiting for IU football. Yeah, I agree, and I would say the other thing I'd like to bring up is they've also kind of lost that rushing identity. So you yeah, know, Shiver's 100%. going Shiver's going one fifty five and a touchdown uh, last night. I feel like that was kind of a big confidence boost because. Now, these past few years, that was kind of the one thing that was that was really lacking. And you, you see, you know, Michael Penix kind of take on a lot of that responsibility. And what happened, I mean, it obviously made him shatter every bone in his body, essentially. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> um, but now, I mean, there's there's at least a little bit something to look forward to in that aspect of their their offense. So, you know, hopefully they can kind of keep that momentum going. Uh, I know their early season slate actually isn't that bad. So if they could get off to, you know, like a, a four and one, three and one start or four and out oh, three and one start. I mean, I feel like that's, that's a really good sign. Good, a good season, really. Yeah. My, my prove a game for them isn't next week, which is just Western Kentucky. They're probably going to win that one. But then they have to go to Cincinnati before they get into the tough slate of the uh, Big Ten Conference. So yeah. uh, that that's a real prove it game there because you know Cincinnati after that Arkansas loss uh, looks to is looking to you know prove it before they start their conference play with a home game. And so it, it, that's a real prove it game for IU there if they're uh, if they're for real or if they've just played you know two bad teams and then three with Western Kentucky. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to the next one is obviously Purdue. Uh, obviously, I feel like between the two rivals, Purdue is definitely in much better shape this season. Um, Purdue 100%. actually looks like a legitimate threat in in the West. Um, you know, how do you kind of feel about the Boilermakers so far? You know, I'm so shocked always that Aiden O'Connell turned out to be as good as he was from the from being a walk on. But you know, Purdue had. Indiana State this week, so <laughs> I don't know how much we're garnering from this, but you know, kept it damn close with Penn State last week. Um, uh, I think at the very least we're in for, or at the very least we're in for a fun Purdue year. You know, one of those where it's, uh, you know, they're punchy. They might like, you know, knock off. Oh, this definitely feels like a year where they knock off Wisconsin. 
and, you know, potentially even Big Ten West uh, fighting for that uh, West championship. Yeah, and really, you know, what I saw from them against Penn State is really... It's it was a loss in the box in the box score, of course. Uh, but really, I feel like that was a win for the program. Uh, oh, hundred percent, exactly. And I, I kind of think that it showed that they can go toe to toe even with teams that you know. I, and they've proven this throughout you know the last few years. Last year is an exception. Obviously, they had a big time down year. Uh, but um, I, I feel like they can go toe to toe with that top tier talent. Um, but really, where I feel like it comes down to, because you know they're they're basically, uh, to put it in better terms, they're an air raid offense. Like, let's just be honest. Oh yeah, uh, they're passing the ball. Uh, they they don't look like an air raid offense. They don't run uh, schemes like an air raid offense. But that's exactly what they are. Um, yep. But where I feel like this team could change is at the running back position, which has been a major struggle. Uh, since really, I think Markel Jones left. Uh, yep. Do you feel like there's someone who could kind of stick out? Because I mean, against Indiana State, there's you know Devin. <laughs> I can't even pronounce his name. Mockby, uh, seventy-eight yards and a touchdown. Dylan Downing had fifty-five yards and a touchdown. Uh, King Daru was held to nothing, and I, I really don't think King Daru is the answer either. So, uh, do you have any thoughts? You know, with, with with what you were saying about Purdue's offense and kind of how they approach the game, I mean, their short pass and their screen game essentially is their rushing game. I know that, you know, uh, Coach Braum kind of sticks to the, bin, the Big Ten morals and keeps it on the ground a fair amount. But, you know, th- those gotta-have-em yards aren't ever going to come on the ground for Purdue, it, at least this season. It's always going to be in the slant game. It's always going to be in, you know, running stick concepts and things of that nature. So I think that as we saw in games like today, you can kind of get away without having like a, a do it all back when you have an offense that's so predicated on throwing the ball. Yeah, that's fair enough. And, and the, really the last thing I want to bring up with Purdue is Charlie Jones. Uh, this man seemingly comes out of nowhere, transfers him from Iowa, has experience obviously with Aiden O'Connell, as you heard probably 60 times in their <laughs> game against Penn State. Uh, 133 yards and three touchdowns against Indiana State. He obviously got over 100 yards and multiple touchdowns against Penn State. This man really kind of seems to be a little bit of the real deal in this offense. Yeah, I mean, he, he's had a couple of great games. And to to be fair, I thought coming into the season that Tyrone Tracy, another Iowa transfer, was going to be, you know, the guy. But, you know, if they got two guys on that offense or in that receiver room, then props to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um and then uh, I really uh, I'm not going to touch up Ball State. They're not good this season. Yeah, they got absolutely stomped by Tennessee in Week One, and things weren't a hell of a lot better in Week Two. So, yeah, yeah not not anything uh, we need to touch on super closely. I, I do feel bad. Uh, yeah, obviously they were one of the most promising small schools there for that one 2020 season. I know it was kind of a weird year, but hey, I mean they they went undefeated, so you can't really. I uh, complain too much about it. Uh, but regardless, uh, that pretty much wraps up the Indiana section. Uh, moving on to Wisconsin, and I'm sorry that we have to bring this up, but after all, we did bring up Notre Dame. Uh, yeah. You know, from from a Ryan Gregory perspective, what are your thoughts on the Badgers? 
you know, Washington State just had, um, you know, they solved the puzzle in week two of the season, which is going to be a problem for the Badgers going forward, which is like eliminate Braylon Allen and and you will win the football game because Allen was for bits and pieces allowed to just run wild against Illinois State because, you know, they had no one that could really stop him. But Washington State actually had power five defensive line and, you know, gave gave him gave him hell. He averaged 4.7 yards a carry, which for for most is fine. But for Braylon Allen, that is a as a frustrating performance. Um, you know, if you look at the box score, it looks like Graham Mertz did fairly well. I mean, he completed 18 of 31 for 227 and two touchdowns, but it was, uh, mainly garbage time. It was not, you know, anything game changing there and held, held scoreless in the second half. Just, uh, pretty embarrassing performance, but you know, one that you come to expect from Wisconsin in the, in the Paul Christ era now of just, you know, beating the teams, usually beating the teams they should. And occasionally, you know, losing to a team that they should beat, and it keeps them out of any any real postseason aspirations or any um, any championship aspirations. And it's uh, it just, it just gets to be frustrating after a time. But you know, seeing Nakia Watson, you know, win the game with a touchdown and a receiving touchdown as a Wisconsin transfer just uh, kind of made this one sting even worse than usual. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough, and. I kind of wanted to gauge your thoughts on year three of the Graham Mertz experience. Uh, You know, I feel like that very first performance against Illinois, people just took him to the bank, man. They slammed him. He was like, this is going to be the next great guy. And here we are in year three. And I I feel like it's just another Jack Cohn situation. What do you you kind of feel? I think that Graham Mertz is going to be a great uh, card or used card dealer someday in the in the mass area because uh, he is ridden that that top quarterback prospect ever recruited to Wisconsin and the one game all the way to this. He, there's no reason he should still be playing. He should not still be starting. They should be experimenting elsewhere. He's been that bad, but we're or not we, but the coaching staff there is willing to keep riding this train. And hoping that something changes when it's uh, it's become pretty clear by this point that that's not going to happen. I'm I'm pretty over it, but also at the same time, it's Wisconsin. It's not like they have recruited so great behind them, and that there is a you know it's not a Clemson situation where there's a five star waiting behind them. It's a bunch of two stars trying their best who got offered preferred walk ons. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. Um, and, and really, I feel like with Wisconsin. Uh, you know, they were able to to finally bring that run power aspect to their game last season uh, with Braylon Allen, of course. Um, he, he, I know he did, he struggled this season, uh, but, you know, <laughs> I feel like for Wisconsin to have success here, they need more from the quarterback position. Uh, you know, obviously Braylon Allen cannot do it all by himself, and I, I feel like that proved very well yesterday against Washington State. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean that much if, uh, if Graham Mertz is still that bad. But, you know, even though you would have liked to see more out of Allen in this game, it's uh, he, he's definitely the future. And it's it now falls on the coaching staff to open more holes for him and make it just a touch easier so he doesn't have to literally carry the team as he tried to do last night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, you know, it wasn't initially part of part of the uh, 
discussion, but uh, I, I wanted to, to see what your thoughts are on um, <laughs> one of the uh, games from yesterday, because I don't feel like we're, we're going to get a whole lot of time to talk about it, but Texas and Alabama. Um, <laughs> I know where this is going. I, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say the cliche line, but, uh, you know, this is something that you'd like to see from Texas, uh, you know, here early in the Sarkeesian era. Oh, you were going to say they were bad. I, I was going to say they got fucking jobbed by the refs. Oh, all right. Well, that that too. Uh, we could definitely <laughs> get to that. Uh, so basically there in the third quarter, uh, I think it was the third quarter, maybe it was early fourth quarter. Uh, you know, there was that great, great, uh, should have been safety call. Yeah. Uh, that the refs completely screwed up uh, targeting and roughing the passer. Neither of those things happened. Plus he threw it into the dirt. No receiver inside. Uh, you know, people try to say that, that it was tipped by a defender. Maybe it was, I haven't looked too closely at it again, but either way, it was definitely uh, an interesting call. Uh, how much do you feel that kind of impacted things? Because really, if you look back at it, they would have, while Texas did end up getting a field goal off of that ensuing drive, if they would have got the safety there, they would have got the two points and potentially the field goal on the next drive, which would have gave them the win in the end. Exactly. It's, uh, it's hard to deny the, 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 the massive swing that came after that. And we can be fair about this blown call. It was a blown call. So, uh, it's really hard to put it into perspective because obviously we don't know what would have happened, but just a, just a terrible job by welcome to the SEC, Texas, because this is what's going to happen in favor of Bama when you're playing in their conference. Yeah. So, I mean, Alabama has been winning so long that of course it's like the Bill Bilicek, Tom Brady, LeBron James effects. They're going to get some of the calls that other teams don't get. Uh, yep. and, this is exactly what happened yesterday. Um, all credit to Bama for actually getting the win. Uh, you know, they were pretty much shut down the entire game. Uh, and then Bryce Young makes that move, uh, gets them into field goal position to win the game. Uh, you know, from this takeaway, and the AP agreed with me with, with the releasing of the polls. Georgia is the number one team. That's kind of the biggest thing that I, I took away from it is because, you know, Texas, while they obviously proved themselves to be good, there's also no reason Bama should have been playing like that against that yeah. Texas team. 100%. Yeah, two things can be true. That it's uh, Texas played up to the game and Bama very much played down. And so uh, both teams can can have a little bit of narrative shift there where, you know, Maybe Texas does deserve a little bit more respect, and Bama's got some things to figure out. That O line's been bad for about a year and a half now. They've really got to figure out something that's working there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, with that, we'll shift into this little kind of free fire section. We give a little bit of explanation as to why, uh, but we've got uh, to start off. It is the top te- top three teams that have impressed in the Power Five, or, or personal opinions. And the top three teams that have impressed in the group of five. And Ryan, I, I want to start it off with you. Uh, you know, what are kind of three teams that you've seen in the Power Five so far uh, that have really impressed you? 
All right, so I think it's only fair because of how much that I've made fun of this team in the past to give them their their roses here, and that's the Kansas Jayhawks. 2-0 this year. Lance Leipold's got it rolling. Uh, that Jalen Daniels kid they got at quarterback can play some ball. They beat West Virginia in overtime this past week. And, you know, nothing but props to those guys because a 2-0 start for Kansas is uh, nothing to sneeze at. And I am very impressed with the turnaround that Leipold's got going on there. You know, I, I hope that Kansas continues to put some scares in the Big 12 teams, maybe not be such a laughing stock anymore. Um, elsewhere, we're going to go with uh, the good old Syracuse Orange. I thought that coming into this year, Dino ba- Babers was uh, you know, a, a firing candidate. I thought that things had been going awry there for just long enough. The, the days of, oh God, what was that quarterback that was so good for them that we loved? Dungy. The days of Dungy uh, yeah, were gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, with a Garrett, Garrett Schrader kid that got a quarterback and play ball, and I know it doesn't mean too much about them destroying Louisville and UConn, two teams that have proven not to be great this season, but th- kind of a similar thing with Kansas. I would have said Syracuse would be 1-1 one and one or even 0-2 at, at this point coming into the season, so it's uh, the point of the exercise is teams that have impressed me, and that's definitely been Syracuse, and then how do I not throw a little love to Oregon State? Those guys are just another another typical basement team off to a 2-0 start and just beat a very talented Fresno, Fresno team, 35-32 last night. You know, it's, um, I, I, I love these stories of, you know, teams that seemingly could never figure it out. Something starts to click. And that's something you've seen with all three of these programs. And so those are my, uh, my early in- impressees. Yeah, no, that's, that's completely fair. Um, I, I definitely agree with you on a lot of those. Uh, for, for me, um, I at least first have to give love uh, to Kentucky. Uh, you know, this is a program that we've seen kind of be on on the fence. I would say uh, these yep. past couple of years, uh, they've been a good team, but they've never been like that team that could actually uh, really do some damage in the SEC. And I think that's kind of changing this year. And uh, you know, I. I will say, you know, Florida probably got a little bit too big of a jump there, uh, you know, coming into week two uh, after their their win. But regardless, you know, this is a team that has proven itself to be dominant, um, obviously, in the run game in the past few years. But now they have a passing game with Will Levis. Uh, and really, I think that makes them all the more dangerous. And you, you couple that on with, you know, Kentucky's at least what it has been signature stout defense. They're going to be a tough team to beat this season. Oh, a thousand uh, percent. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, another team that I feel like is kind of in the same boat, a uh, little bit less uh, of a threat, but got to give some love to the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is a team that's been doubted for many years, pretty much a laughing stock in the SEC. Uh, in and this time, they're not. They're not anymore. Uh, KJ Jefferson was a, uh, you know, coming into last year, there's a lot of question marks around him. Um, and really, he's kind of proven himself to be a, a great quarterback, um, especially within their system. Uh, and their offenses looked great. Um, and lastly, uh, gotta give love. To the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. There it is. I was hoping they'd get some love as well. <laughs> 2-0 start 
It's been a hey, long old. time. Uh, this team is good on offense. They're good on defense. They got a real gutsy win uh, against Boston College in week one. And then they turn around. They get another win here in week two. Uh, you know, this is a great start for their program. I know Wagner is nothing, but, you know, Rutgers scoring 66 points is something we have not seen in a very long time, it feels like. So, yeah, it's uh, a similar thing like what I said. It's, it's doing the unexpected and coming <laughs> out and doing shit like that. Exactly. Um, so, I, I mean, I feel like this is something that is really you know, significant to the program. They've got a lot to prove this season. I mean, there's Temple, there's Iowa, Ohio State. You know, they're in the East, so it is a pretty brutal pretty brutal schedule. But uh, regardless, yep. uh, they proved themselves to be pretty solid last season. Uh, they're turning around, bringing that into this season. Uh, it is pretty fun to watch. So uh, with that, the fun part of our, our VAR segment, of course, the top three group of five teams that are impressed because on this podcast, we are supreme group of five lovers. Yep. Uh, Can we start sorry. with me again? Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no worries. You know, even though these guys are 0-2, this really sticks to our um, our mantra of just sticking up for the little guys here. I got to give some love to Georgia State. I, though they lost to both South Carolina and North Carolina, I've been really impressed with like what they've brought to the table, both offensively and defensively. I mean, North Carolina absolutely got away with one last night. You know, they got straight up outplayed by a better South Carolina team in week one. But I, I think that they're going to really unleash something when it comes to Sunbelt play. And I, I would not want to see the Panthers on my schedule anytime in the near future. But um, I'll move on from them and get into teams that have actually, you know, earned the shout outs. How, how do you not go to App State here? How do you not call out those Mountaineers? You know, one and one should have, should have beaten UNC last week. Just, just pissed away in overtime. But this week, hello, Mountaineers, 17-14 win over at A&M. Uh, the Chase Bryce experience uh, from Clemson back up to Duke starter to App State starter has been a lot of fun to watch. And the fact that Cameron Peoples is still at App State running the ball should be cheating. That guy's got to be about 28 by now. But, you know, it's, it's they're the, the class of the Sun Belt. They are. They are and continue to be a team that you should absolutely not schedule at any point if you can avoid it. And uh, my third shout out, obviously, uh, Georgia Southern getting a win over Nebraska. Uh, it's important to note that they just started experimenting with the forward pass about four months ago. And here comes Kyle Van Trees, the Buffalo transfer, 409 yards against Nebraska's defense. <laughs> so it seems like... Uh, Clay Helton and company are figuring out the forward pass pretty quickly here. And it's an interesting thing to watch because, you know, Georgia Tech transferring away from the um, from the triple tanked the program for quite a while. And to see Georgia Southern come out, you know, same as always, 2-0, two, two and, and arguably better than they were last year. It's uh, something to keep an eye on, and they deserve a shout-out here through two weeks uh, for doing what they've done. Yeah, uh, really, I'm I'm gonna ride with you on uh, you know at least two of these uh, selections. Yep. Uh, well, yeah, I'll throw in I'll throw in one just you know just to kind of differ, but I, I completely agree with you uh, with um, with you know Georgia Southern 
and uh, App State. I mean, obviously, App State's win is huge, but I think the more, the bigger part of that win was the fact that just how unfazed they looked. Like, you know, they came in and they they just looked like like. Dude, we're we're just as good as you, and you know the rankings don't show it. Uh, but you know, App State is one of those programs that, as you mentioned, Ryan, you just don't want to play. I mean, I of course want you know Power Five teams to schedule them. I, I don't approve of the whole don't schedule them because they're going to beat you, blah blah blah, and embarrass you. And I'm like, well, that just completely f's up the uh, <laughs> the whole competitive nature of Group of Five yep. versus Power Five, but. Uh, App State is one of those teams. I mean, they're one of those teams that you put them into a, a Power Five conference, and I, I think they could probably turn out all right. They've they've oh, defied they've defied odds for like literally their entire program's existence, and they're just going to continue to do it. So, uh, App State, and you know, as you mentioned too, I just want to throw it in there, Chase Chase Bryce, uh, the man, you know, was overlooked at at Clemson, went to Duke, didn't have such a good year goes to App State, pretty much falls in love with the program. And, you know, he, he looks great now. Uh, it took, you know, whatever, six years or whatever it is now. But, yep. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, the guy looks like a really good college football quarterback. He's confident. Uh, he knows how to run the show and he, he knows what to do. Um, and I, I completely agree with all the aspects of your Georgia Southern, uh, you know, statements and whatnot. Uh, but here's another one that I got to throw in there. Uh, keep into the fun belt. James Madison. Yep. Uh, enters FBS this season. Uh, Sun Belt play. They're already two and out. Uh, they beat Mid Tennessee State, which I know isn't saying much. Uh, Forty-four to seven. Turn around. Absolutely whop Norfolk State, sixty-three to seven. So whether it's uh, whether yeah. it's FBS level or FCS level, it ain't mattering this this, this year exactly. for them. Yeah. Uh, they they've quickly proven that you know this whole time they could have been an FBS, uh, <laughs> and so they're finally getting their shot. They start two and zero. Uh, you know JMU has always been a friend a friend of the passing game. Uh, they're they're launching. I mean the quarterback already has four hundred fifty two yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, this is a this is a fun team, and they get their first real test of the season against App State next week. So, boom, boom, two of our picks facing each other off next week. Uh, that one will be absolutely fun. Um, let me actually check that in two weeks because JMU has an early bye week. So, next two weeks uh, on the twenty fourth is when they play each other. Um, and another one I got to throw in there: East Carolina. Um, yep. you know, this is a program that has been, you know, they, they've had good years, but recently it just has not been good. Uh, and now they're, they're kind of returning to that, you know, th- to that level NC state, uh, they, they bring them to the absolute final minutes, uh, you know, end up losing 21 to 20, which is just a bad way to lose. But I mean, really, I, I don't blame them uh, for you know what what happens. Twenty one twenty is a good good loss, especially to a team ranked thirteenth um, at the time. And then they turn around and beat Old Dominion, who beat Virginia Tech, uh, pretty much dominated them thirty nine to twenty one. 
this is going to be a legitimate team in the American Conference this season. Uh, perhaps even a, a favorite towards the top. Uh, Absolutely. This is this is a team that can get it done multiple ways, and as they proved, you know, uh, against the first two opponents, they're pretty dang good on defense too. So uh, those are definitely two teams that have impressed. Um, or three teams uh, on, on my schedule that have that have impressed. Um, and then next up is <coughs> five players that you love so far, Ryan. Uh, who who are some players that you're buying stock in? Uh, players that you feel have stood out um, have really shown that you know this is going to be a good year for them. Yeah, I'm I'm keeping it pretty superficial here. Just um, I'm not going to go super in depth and be like this left tackle has impressed me because <laughs> no, it's uh, I, I get it. It's early enough in the year that I'm going to head, headline grab a little bit as we get back into podcast shape. But uh, a trio of guys from the Tennessee offense have really caught my eye specifically in watching that Tennessee pit game from yesterday, which if you didn't watch that one, you missed out OT win for Tennessee, really big statement one, but Hannon hooker, the quarterback, uh, Cedric Tillman and, uh, Brew McCoy, the receivers, just pretty, pretty impossible to annoy or to annoy, to ignore Uh Brew McCoy. If you'll remember, had that whole Texas USC controversy as he was coming out of high school ends up at Tennessee. Um, Cedric Tillman is a son of a pro. Hendon Hooker, the the Virginia Tech transfer, and they have a uh, they found a very fun offense there in Tennessee. So if uh, if I can knock out three of my spots right off the right off the jump, it'll be that one. And um, dropping back down to the group of five, uh, Frank Harris, UTSA quarterback. Um, it's uh, it's it's easy to forget about UTSA. Kind of this year, they lost their opener. They lost Sincere McCormick, who's now on the Raiders. Frank Harris, the quarterback who led that last year, still there, and uh, in that OT went over Army last or yeah last night, uh, three hundred fifty nine yards and three touchdowns for Frank Harris. There, it's uh, inspiring to see the kid, you know, continuing to to dominate, and then kind of an upstart group of five team that you know you kind of forget is uh, punched around down there still is uh, Florida Atlantic, and their quarterback Nkosi Perry. If uh, if you remember the old yep. Miami days, yeah, uh, he he transferred down to FAU and has been very solid early. I know it's it's early and FAU hasn't exactly played any world beaters. I mean, they had Southeast Louisiana last week, but um, another name to keep an eye on is um, uh, you know, someone that can just fill up the stat sheets against <laughs> just about anybody. And um, for my final one, a- another beloved player of both Devin and I's is uh, Deuce Vaughn, the Kansas State running back. The the dude pieced up Missouri yesterday for 145 yards and two touchdowns on the ground, and he also had a catch. But uh, <laughs> he is he is that guy. He's going to be a very fun pro someday. And props to him for never transferring away from K State, even as bad as things got. He is uh just kept producing there, and it deserves deserves a shout here in our top return. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, there's obviously been. Uh, a, a lot of great talent to to come into the season, uh, especially with you know how the transfer portal has been working. A lot of people are getting new opportunities, and it's it's working really well. Um, for my for my picks, um, you know, mine's also not completely out of the realm right now. But um, you know, I got start. I would say John Morgan the third pit. Yep. Uh, he has been 
I, I didn't really show as much last yesterday against Tennessee. Uh, and really, it's hard uh, to to judge, you know, defensive linemen or defensive ends uh, by the stats because their impact goes well beyond that. Uh, but I feel like he's really just been dominating the front lines. Um, he he's constantly getting pressure on on you know on quarterbacks. It's something that teams kind of have to really worry about. Um, and he's been a, a big part of that pit defense, which is. As you know, Ryan Ryan just loves that pit defense. Uh, it's true. as always. So uh, they're always good. And then uh, another player that I got is uh, another player that you know Ryan Gregory. Uh, yeah, Ryan Gregory is very familiar with Jalen Berger. Uh, <laughs> see, you knew that this was going to happen going Michigan State. Uh, just judging from Kenneth Walker's uh, success last year. They're just going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. And yeah. uh, Berger's definitely benefited from that so far. 227 yards and four touchdowns. Um, he had three touchdowns yesterday and over 100 yards. Um, he's just someone that I feel like as the season goes along, you're going to look at on the stat sheet and be like, damn, he's doing pretty good. Uh, I feel like he kind of showed it with Wisconsin, but they just phased him out of the offense. But, you know. Screw him, right? Uh, exactly. Group of five level. Uh, I'm going to go down to Daniel Richardson, Central Michigan. Nice. Uh, the man absolutely torched Oklahoma State. Uh, <laughs> uh, yep. Then South Alabama was a little bit more rough, but 691 yards and five touchdowns so far this season. Uh, you know, he was kind of one of the better quarterbacks coming back this season in the group of five level. Um, he's already shown himself to be that again. And then, um, you know, another player that I got is someone that Ryan Gregory just absolutely adores. John <laughs> uh, Reese Plumley. Oh, yeah. Uh, can't forget about him. Uh, obviously, he's the Ole Miss former starting quarterback for Ole Miss who got Put on the back burner because there's some guy named Matt Coral who, you know, could absolutely obliterate defenses. Uh, Plumley has made his move to UCF. Uh, they did lose to Louisville the other night, uh, which is kind of unfortunate. But the man just absolutely is, I mean, uh, 308 passing yards and 100 rushing yards against South Carolina State, plus all the touchdowns. And then against Louisville... He also led the team in dang rushing again with 83 yards uh, and 131 passing yards. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a common theme for them. Uh, Isaiah Bowser is back for them in the backfield. Uh, I don't know how this is like his like eighth year, I feel like. Uh, yep. But <laughs> the man, uh, you know, Plumley is just one of those players that's, that's really dynamic. Uh, obviously, can get it done in the rushing game, prove that at Ole Miss. He's practically like an option quarterback running wild. Uh, Ryan said it before the season started, uh, though it didn't hit the airwaves. This is a player to watch out for because Gus Malzahn, perfect fit. Yep. Uh, and so far, that's that's really proven true. Um, and then last, um, but but not least, this is kind of a hard spot for the fifth one because I feel like we've really... Um, Hit them all, but yeah. Be- before we before he we went down, I would say Keaton Slovis actually 
impressed a lot. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, has endured struggles at USC because USC under Clay Elton was not very good. Um, yep. Not good at developing quarterbacks. Uh, Pitt, on the other hand, I mean, I know Nebraska paid a gazillion dollars for the offensive coordinator that so happened to turn Kenny Pickett into an absolute monster. Still, uh, Pitt's Pitt. Uh, They're able to to get Slovis off the in the transfer portal. Uh, he, he came out. I feel like he, he's proved himself quite well. So um, I, I really like... Uh, those five players, uh, I feel like we we listed some pretty good ones. So yeah, uh, at least in the early season slate, really love what I'm seeing from, or we really love what we're seeing from them. Uh, and last but not least, uh, we initially had it at five, but you know, at, for the sake of easy, I'll, I'll reduce it to three. Wh- who are three players that you feel like, uh, you know, you've kind of unimpressed with? Uh, definitely selling stock. Uh, not not liking what you're saying. So uh, again, I'm going to keep this pretty superficial. This is going to be like uh, power five quarterbacks that came into the year where you're like, hey, here here comes a guy that's uh, that has some high expectations and they have fallen quite short of them so far. Blake Shapen at Baylor. What are we, what are we doing here, bud? We, we ran Gary Bohannon out of town for this, for a guy that completes 18 to 28 for 130 yards and a touchdown against BYU. <laughs> That's what your conference championship quarterback got ran out, ran out of town for, for Blake Shapin. It's, it's a disgrace. It's terrible. And um, sticking with the quarterback uh, mantra here, you, you know I have to bring up DJ Uyagalele. Just, yes. Dude's terrible. Give me Cade Klubnik. I'm, I'm over it. Clemson's defense is so damn good, like from top to bottom, but specifically that defensive line. Do not waste it with him farting around back there. I mean, he didn't even look good against Furman. What's going to happen when they play a, a team with a pulse? Yeah. And sticking in the ACC with quarterbacks, just haven't been impressed with Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, he was supposed to be, you know, the guy leading the the Miami comeback. And to their credit, they're 2-0 thus far. But uh, I think that's more of a testament to the rest of Miami. I don't think that Tyler Van Dyke has exactly been a world beater thus far. And so, like, I want him to prove me wrong. I want him to, uh, to you know, rebound and start playing some some great ball. But just thus far, not not super impressed. Yeah, I feel that's completely fair. Uh, you know, on my end, I'm gonna have to go with JT Daniels, man. Uh, yeah, that's a, sad, but yeah, another opportunity to start at the Power Five level. Uh, and West Virginia is zero two now, and. Not all of it falls on them. Uh, you know, I, I feel like a lot there's a lot of problems right now with the West Virginia offensive line. Like it is just terrible. Uh they're not giving him a lot of time to throw the ball. Uh the the rushing game isn't as bad, but you know, it, it's still not easy uh to operate an offense like that. Uh and, yep. and Daniels, um here's here's a good question for you. Is he like the next coming of Blake Barnett? <laughs> Just plays for 30 different teams and can never really settle down with one. Yeah, literally. Like uh, This is like a dude that's just <laughs> is like a five-star prospect coming in. He's supposed to be so good, so good. Uh, transfers three different schools. Uh, can never you know, win the battle at any of them or be really that efficient at any of them. 
Um, Barnett was Bama, Arizona State, USF. Correct. Did he go, any, yeah. did he go anywhere else? Uh, no, no. He, he was done after USF, uh, where he started, I think, for that one season. Um, and yeah. they didn't do too bad, but he definitely wasn't that good. Uh, yeah. T- tough go of things. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next one I have to go with. I feel like this one's just obvious. Spencer Petras. Oh, yeah. Petrus, whatever you hire to say. Uh, yeah. Just, just not good. The oh dude's just not good at football. Goodness. I mean, and that's fine. Weeks, not everyone's good at everything. Two weeks in a row. They have scored seven points. Seven points. And, you, and you're sitting here wondering, oh, why did so many people transfer out of the Iowa offense, even though they had a great year last year? Here's your freaking answer. Because of that guy. He's just bad. Dude, his his QBR in week one was one, and it, it improved to 12 this year. Hey, uh, the up and up. <laughs> <laughs> as Ryan like consistently says, you'd just be better off getting a QBR by throwing the ball in the dirt. Exactly, uh, yeah. Literally, this, this guy is just not good. Uh, 201 yards, no touchdowns, 46% completion percentage uh, yesterday. Uh, two interceptions, QBR of 3.4, just not good. 130th, which I think is, uh, that's at least close to last now uh, in, in the I FBS. believe there's, there's 136, so he is yeah. seventh. <laughs> with, with the additions of this last season. Um, and, and last, um, I, I got the one that I'll just continue to harp on Sean Clifford. I don't have anything else to say about him. I just, he is not a good quarterback. I, I, okay. He's the most average quarterback you can get. And you put him on a Penn state team that could do so many great things with a good quarterback who did, who, who they do have. Mind you, they do, in fact, have a good quarterback yep. uh, in Aller. And he really uh, kind of impressed there for the three plays he was in. Uh, just completely different look for their offense. I hope James Franklin realizes this uh, going <laughs> into the later stages of the season. Uh, but I, I guess we'll see because we're on year like 10 of the Sean Clifford experience. So I'm over uh, it. <laughs> I'm definitely over it as well. Top is over it. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> but uh, really, I think I think that kind of wraps up everything that we've got so far. Um, it was definitely an exciting week two of action. There's been a lot going on in the college football world. A lot going on in the football world. Uh, we're finally off and running for you know all three levels. Yep. Uh, you know, Ryan and I are covering the high school level. We got college, and we got the NFL finally kicking off. So. Uh, it's, it's definitely been fun to have football back in our lives. And, uh, you know, we look forward to, to bringing you some more top episodes here coming in the future. So, uh, for myself, uh, I'm signing off, of course, make sure to, to check out all the other, uh, podcasts on the network when Sanity's still going, still running strong. Um, but you know, it, it's been, it's been fun doing this one with you, Ryan, and I hope you feel the same way. Yeah, man, I'm happy to go. Blah, blah, blah. I'm happy to be back and also go Bears. All right, that wraps it up. So thank you all for listening, and uh, we hope you have a, a good, great weekend of football.